And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Stan keeps talking about getting back to the top of the mountain Great. Keep talking about when yeah. We're a contending team again. Yeah. Not if, when. For sure. In your head, do you think you can see that future? Something? No, no doubt. We're, we're going to be an elite team. I, I have total faith in that, and we're on the right path. Hello, and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. I am Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined by colleague Scott Powers of The Athletic. Scott, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. That little clip was from my uh, my face-to-face interview with Jeremy Colleton yesterday. That's the first time I have spoken to someone for the job in person in some 14 months. And it was almost weird because the one thing about the zoom or, or phone or lifestyle is you can always have notes in front of you, you know, like the, the person you're talking to can't tell if you're looking at like, Oh, I got a list of topics. I want to hit like a comedian with like his, uh, his list of jokes on the stool next to him. Uh, I, 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 it felt like I was out there without a net, you know, I had to like think <laughs> of questions on the fly and stuff, but it was good. It was, it was just nice. You know, he, we're both vaccinated and, you know, we sat, uh, across the table from each other, took our masks off and, and had a good conversation. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, at, at, based on the comment section of the story and Twitter today, everyone thinks it's bullshit and hates him, but that's kind of been par for the course for the last couple of years here. But, um, I, I'm curious what you thought about the way Colleton answered something. A lot of it's coach speak, obviously, and he's not going to come right out and say some things, but what did you take away from it? Yeah, well, I, I thought we'd get into that. We, we obviously have the exit interviews. We have everything that Strom sure, said, yeah. that Kane talked about. We have, uh, you're, you're, obviously, your exclusive one-on-one with Colleton, and then uh, you know, we have some uh, some questions. Uh, this will probably be our last uh, last podcast for a little bit, at least unless something big happens. But um, the end of the season, we need a little break. Uh, I'm going on paternity leave, and um, and we will reunite. Uh, I don't know, maybe a month or however long it is, but it'll be a, it'll be a minute. So, um, yeah, I, I guess starting with the, the Colleton, um, you know, I, I not anything he said was not surprising, right? Like it was. I think a lot of things that we've heard in different forms throughout the season. Um, he obviously believes in his system, and it's weird because the fans have definitely turned on him. Like it's. Uh, I don't think anyone embraced them when they were playing well this season, but they were at least giving him the benefit of the doubt saying, you know, they got these young players and they're, they're overachieving. And then 
Yeah. What? What? As soon as he fell out of the playoffs, like it just the narrative, just uh, everyone got angry again. On a know? time, yeah. right? On a yeah, time. Yeah, like it just it, it changed. So uh, th- there's no winning for him right now. The only way to uh, only way that he's going to win over the fans is actually win games. So I, I don't know if it's really worth. You know, certainly he he should say what he wants to and everything. But I, I don't think there's anything he can say that's going to change a lot of fans' opinion. It, it's all about action, and and obviously that's it's a long time until next season. Um, I, I imagine that you guys talk beyond uh, even what you guys had said, you know, like beyond the, the Q&A. Um, can, can you give us a, kind of a glimpse into what, I don't know, the, the mood in the room? What, you know, like, did it feel like it was defensive? Did it feel like... I, I mean, I think there's some natural defensiveness because, I mean, he is, he's a 36-year-old guy. He is not like some ancient coach who's calling his phone his blueberry and talking about the space phase or something like that. Like, he's he's a very online coach. I'm sh- it's very clear to me that he knows the narrative surrounding his team right now. And it's also very clear to me that he doesn't agree with it, but he's also bothered a little bit by it. You could tell that in some of the questions, you know, he talks, you know, we talk about the system, but we never really talk about the players. And I, I think, you know, his system, it, it, it's almost become this catch-all because I think what a lot of, I, I don't mean to demean any fans out there. There are certainly fans who understand all the X's and O's. There are fans that are steeped in the game, that played the game, that fully understand, you know, what an overload on one side is, what the weak side and strong side are, what it means to be at, the, you know, all these different positions on the on the ice, where F3 is supposed to be, all that. But I think your average fan, I hate to say it, they don't know what they're talking about with this system. When they say, oh, the system doesn't work, they're saying whatever he's doing isn't working because the numbers are bad, which is... Valid to a degree. There's no denying that for three straight years now, all three years under Colleton, the Blackhawks team defense has been abysmal. By every metric, by the eye test, they give up too much. But how much of that is on the players? And how much of that is the system? Because, you know, you wrote about it a little bit recently, and I've been kind of talking to as many people as I can about it, you know, at the end of the season here. The system's not that unique. It's nothing special. It's, It's what a lot of teams run. Like, Joel Quenville is still like the only guy out there running a full-blown zone defense. And whatever hybrid man that we're talking about this defense, it's not that unique. The problem is the Blackhawks can't run it. But would these Blackhawks be able to run anything else? I'm not so sure of that. When you're rotating in 10 or 11 defensemen, and most of them are 22 years or younger, um, and you have this compressed season, and, and it's, it's they're not making the right reads. And that's yeah. why you have two guys in the corner. That's why you have guys chasing guys behind the net. That's why you have guys left alone at the far post. Because players are doing the wrong thing. It's not always the system. Sometimes a guy just fucks up. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn on this because I, I don't believe it's the system's fault. But also, there's a better way to protect some of these players from the system right now, you know, mm-hmm. that are that are still making this read. Some of this, it, it's... It's it's also at some point like the system has to look like it's correctly run and and, and some of it's it's, it's it needs time and getting the right players and and that's why I think I tend to give the benefit of the doubt but that that time is running out you know like I know that this is sort of year one of the rebuild but I don't think they get a full like two or three more years like it's I think at some point next season if this thing goes those sideways like the fans aren't going to be in that building like. And, and I think the words family and, and, you know, the business operations, all those things make it a little bit more, you know, there's more of incentive to, to win now sort of again. I don't think they want to have any sort of taste of what it was like back when, you know, when it was, it was the dark times, the United Center. So I, I think that element begins to play in a little bit more. But they, they knew going into the, like, Zadorov maybe works, but 
You know, like Dahan was going to possibly work. They, they certainly thought Dahan and Mato were going to work. Like you don't go out and uh, acquire two experienced NHL defensemen um, if you don't think that they are potential long-term pieces because they both were, you know, like they both had multiple years on their contracts. So, um, you know, they didn't work out. They weren't the right defenseman. But it, it, it's important. You need to find the right defenseman. Like Duncan Keats, obviously aging. He, he was... Uh, analytically, he was one of the worst defensemen in the league this year. You know, Connor Murphy played the system well. Um, Zadorov defensively, analytically, uh, was really good, but offensively, it's just it's just as woeful. Um, I, I don't know what you have in these young defensemen. I think Boquist is legit. I think he's going to be fine. I'm not sure if he's a top-pairing defenseman. Mitchell, Bodam, Kalanick, um, uh, you know, Stillman maybe a little bit more established than those guys, but I, I, I don't know if you have what, it, what you need. Like, they could be... You know, they could fit what you need. And and I hate to put it all in defensemen, but it feels like it's a lot of that where it's it's the defensemen breakdowns and um and then the breakouts too. Like the breakouts is such a key of the you know, key piece to this too. And uh, and not getting those pucks to the forwards and establishing, you know, this kind of a, a little go into what Patrick Kane said, but having a puck possession offense, like he it just they don't have the puck that often, you know, like it's always chasing it and defending. So I think it all it all ties together. But um, how do you how do you address it? Like I don't think you can you can hope that that Mitchell and Kalanick and Bowden and all these guys are the answer. But uh, I think it's a roll of the dice after what we saw this year. Like they just I feel like they need they need more time, you know. And 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 you look at Florida, the Panthers, and a lot of defense and throughout the league. Uh, unless you're a Cal McCarr who who spent a couple of years in college even, and um, you know they're they're defensemen take a little bit more time and that just it, it feels like you know Gustav Forsling and um who's the other Panthers defenseman uh we 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 can we um he was in the ECHL Forsling was in the AHL last year and they're both um you know both top 20 and like goals above replacement like some de- some defensemen need time and the Blackhawks have to maybe have to give these younger defensemen time and then um, you know, maybe you have to find answers elsewhere to, to fill it in because I don't think it naturally just gets better. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a whole lot to address there. Uh, for one thing, the timetable, I think that's the real question here is, is Jeremy Colleton going to get the time to see this all the way through? Or is, is he going to be a victim of circumstances? Is he going to be uh, Rick Renteria to Joe Madden? Is he going to be Dennis Savard to Joel Quenville, the guy who kind of tees up the next guy, the guy who does kind of the developmental work and then once the developmental work is done, do they bring in the experienced hand to guide him to the next level? Uh, that's a question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it comes to that. Obviously, he has Stan Bowman's backing. He just got a contract extension. Uh, he has the faith of Stan Bowman. But if that pressure, like you said, does amp up and it's starting to, will he continue to get that time? Um, you mentioned some of these guys need time. I, I find myself like sometimes I, I find myself feeling like, why am I apologizing for the team? Why am I? I think I just tend to be contrarian to what the public sentiment is. I tend to push back on whatever the, the quote unquote narrative is. And, you know, so much of this is all these defensemen are bad. None of them are real good. None of them are going to be any good. And then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's very possible that none of these guys become top pairing guys. But then I go, then, you know, Adam Bokus is 20 years old. When Duncan Keith was 20 years old, he had just finished up his last year of juniors and had yeah. two full seasons of AHL in front of him before he even sniffed the NHL. Adam Boquist has been in the NHL for two full years already. What do you expect him to be right now? 
Yeah. He's 20. And, and, and nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear, oh, I don't want to hear it. He's been in the league long enough. He should be good by now. That's not how the human body works. Sometimes it takes something that, you know, think about when you were 18 years old and what your body looked like. And then when you were 25 years old, what your body looked like. For me, it was a lot fatter. But for, you know, for high athletes, it's, you know, you, you're becoming, you know, you're becoming a fully functional, full-formed person. Uh, and, and, and your, and your, your, your brain is speeding up and you're, you're absorbing more. And, you know, these guys don't have the benefit of that long learning curve in the minors, which is when you're getting exposed to all situations and playing 25 minutes. And frankly, Adam Bokas was pretty good this year when he came back from COVID before he is yeah. the concussion, he was playing, he was producing, he was being more offensively minded. He was fine in his own end. I mean, th- this is the question. Is there a number one defenseman on this team? Connor Murphy is the number one defenseman on this team, but he's a number three. He's a really good number three. He's Nicholas Jalmerson. That's the player he is. He is a very, very good player. He is not the guy that makes the engine go. So I think they got to look outside. If they want to expedite this process, you can still find room for some of these young guys and go out and try to find a number one. The problem is... Not a lot of number ones out there. The Hawks have the space, but they might not have the, you know, availability to do it. Like, so they might have to make a trade and give up some of these young guys in order to get the situation. And it's going to be difficult to do it in any situation, but let alone in a flat cap world. And it's, and it's, and that's part of it too, is that it, it's that we, we're seeing Boquist, like a lot of times we don't see Boquist's development is up in our face. You know, like it's, they're, they're in Rockford. They're spending, you know, 20, 25 minutes on the ice per game and, and developing down there. And, and Boquist's development was accelerated because they, he, he sort of fit the narrative of, you know, like we're going to look to the future. And um, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like, you know, Mitchell and all these guys could have really benefited from playing, you know, 20, 25 minutes in Rockford this year. And, and, uh, you know the circumstances what were what they were, but it's just it's we wouldn't have seen their development. We probably wouldn't have been able to say, well, is Mitchell this or Bodan that? And and I think it's not even fair to label those guys now because um, you know bring up the Mackenzie Weger thing is like I, I'm sure the Panthers didn't think two years ago this is a you know a, a number one defense when this guy was in the ECHL not that long ago. You know, like it's they may have something there. I mean, there's a lot of tools in Bodan and uh, Kalnick's a little bit older, but Mitchell and Bodan are all all really young and, and Boak was what he. It's uh, you can't definitively say what he's going to develop into at twenty. One of the youngest defensemen, um, I, I think him and and what um, what's his name from Colorado? Uh, who's the about uh, about Bauer? Am I blanking right now? Who's the who's the defenseman that was drafted right after Doc? Um, oh, Bowen Byram. Uh, Bowen Byram. Uh, I, I think him and and, and Boquist were the two youngest everyday defensemen in, in the league this season. Um, and don't so forget, like when Bokus was was drafted, he specifically said he was two or three years away. Even yeah. he knew that. It's only been two years since he was drafted. Yeah, it's it, it just it's there's this like those guys may be fine, and you probably don't want to get a Dougie Hamilton or someone to invest eight years into. Right. Um, but th- there is a window that's you, you could sense from when Kane talked the other day. There's there's a little bit more frustration, I think, than the beginning of the season. Like it's you know at one point he had talked about. You know, maybe we can get over this part of talking about all these young guys and just get back to <laughs> expecting playoffs. Like, th- there's a window where he signed for two more years, and Keith and you know Tabe's coming back. Like, um, I don't know if they buy into another rebuilding season like this. They don't, you know, like obviously all these guys are, are a little bit older, and it does sound like that that, that they want to have more competition and, and you know inserting Goddard and Kyle, uh, Nylander, um and, and all these and Borgstrom. Like, it, it's going to create more competition, but none of these guys are absolutes either. So. Um, there's benefits to competition. It's starting to sound like they want to go out and get a number one defenseman, though, doesn't it? Like, they want to at least try. Yeah. And 
And it's something I want to write about either later this week or next is about the cap space because with the LTI with with Shaw and Seabrick, I think there's opportunity to go to go spend some money. Um, I think they're very wary of paying Doc and Boquist and um, you know all these contracts and and you know even to bring it's up in a couple of years, Kuba leaks up. Like there's there's a lot of contracts coming up, and if the cap's going to stay flat, that they need to be really careful. That they don't, uh, you know, overexpose themselves and, and and you know run into some cap issues again. But um, I, I think there's an opportunity. Um, you know, I think you and I both looked at the uh, the free agent market. There's not a whole lot of number one defensemen out there. Yeah, uh, you may have to get creative. And and some, you know, some of it is that you know there's teams that are going to be uh, if you can find a way to take advantage of someone who's um, whether they're in trouble with the cap or trouble with the expansion draft, there might be an opportunity to go acquire someone that that fits the bill. So I I think the Blackhawks are going to look at all their options, but yeah, I, I, this this off season is going to be really fascinating. Um, you know, just the amount of you know I wrote about too about the amount of forwards that are coming in, and now we look at the defensemen, and then they signed a goalie today. Like, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of competitions and a lot of a lot of positions, so there's a lot of uncertainty going into next season. Um, there is a little bit more pressure to win. Like, there's um, you know, Stan Bowman when asked yesterday, you know, said we're still in the process. Like, I'm not going to say like, we got to be a Stanley cup contender next year, but there is a growing, uh, I I do think with fans in the building next year, the expectations change a little bit from this season. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I mean, this might have been the first official year of the rebuild, but it's the second year in reality because that's what they were doing the year before. And it's the fourth straight year without playoffs. And again, the the bubble was a different animal. They didn't qualify for the playoffs technically you can argue semantics on that but it's the fourth straight year. I think I think you, you coined the phrase the fourth straight year that they ended the season not in the playoff picture that's how we have to word it now so and and that's a problem because the problem was Stan Bowman he he messed up those first couple of years after the Nashville series like trying to tread water with veterans like Chris Kunitz and Brandon Manning and and even the Dahan and Mata summer like those weren't the moves that should have been made they should have ripped the band-aid off and gone young earlier than this. And then by now, you know, as Colleton's farm analogy, you'd have your crops by now and you'd know what you have. Instead, they wasted two years, just absolutely wasted two years of of Patrick Kane's prime. People are saying they're wasting the years now and they're not. Last year and this year were good years, progressive years. Uh, Bowman had a really good trade deadline. Like you said, he's added pieces. Gaudette is a really intriguing guy. Um, There's a lot of competition now there. There's a lot of potential there. And that's fine if this was year one or two, but it's year four going into year five. And this team is not winning the Stanley Cup next year. And that's where it becomes really, really frustrating, not just for fans, but as you said, 
for Patrick Kane, for Duncan Keith, for potentially Jonathan Taves. And as the season went on and they were more competitive than we expected, like the idea that Doc and Taves weren't there, like it sort of became, you know, like it was an afterthought. And and, and I still feel like the season needs to be put in that perspective where, you know, Doc was, Doc didn't take that step. Like it was good that he came back, but he wasn't nearly the same player. Um, You know, you, we we both wrote about how they missed Taves in all these ways. And and there's certainly maybe it allowed them to do this rebuild a little bit more, but um you know, even Kane talked about on the power play just how frustrating. As good as the power play was, like how frustrating it is that they have to go back in your own own zone to get the puck all the time and, and yep. begin another breakout. Like it just it Taves brought those elements to this team. So um I'm curious without do you do you think that you know it was obviously good for the team to play well beginning of the year. That's confidence and contention. But are they almost kind of a victim of their own success? Expectations were so low entering this year that if they were just bad and played everybody, people probably would have been like, all right, well, that's what this year was going to be. We knew it. But they kind of teased you with that like month and a half of where they were, they weren't just winning. They were playing pretty well. Like they were playing good, competent hockey against, yeah, guess, lesser teams. We get that. But, you know, even in that Tampa series, like that was some of the best hockey they played, that three game series against Tampa that turned the whole series around. That three nothing lead that became a six to three loss kind of sent them into a, a, a spiral. But I feel like the their success early made the second half of the season that much more frustrating for players like Kane, who thought like, oh man, maybe we're here, and yeah. and also for fans. The Tampa series is interesting because they did put so much energy and thought into it, and and they were competitive throughout. Like you, and, and it felt like at, when they were able to focus and play that hard and do all those things, like it just. And I think Bowman and Colleton both talked about just it's it's. Can, can, having that consistency and being able to sustain that. And that's the difference between great teams and, and teams that are good at times and bad at others. And Blackhawks weren't able to sustain that. So I, I think they did raise the bar by playing at those levels. Um, and, you know, it can put a lot of it on himself too. And, and honestly, I mean, his, his lack of lack of goals, like he was still producing and he can see the ice as well, but something wasn't right. And, and, and he admitted that, you know, something wasn't, you know, like he didn't admit it, say what the injury was, but he's been dealing with something, but him not scoring at that same level uh, impacted this team. And then, uh, you know, certainly DeHaan and, and Boquist and, um, you know, those guys type of players being out impacted this team late. Um, you know, Lincoln's inconsistency, like, the, you know, a lot trading, of these guys Trading Yanmark and Soderberg, those guys were playing yeah, useful sure. roles. Yeah, they no, sold definitely. at the deadline. You're supposed to get worse when you sell at the deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what I was reminded by was you know the beginning of the season those Tampa and Florida games and and then the Dallas games late is that it was nice to cover competitive hockey this year because we we also got a glimpse of how bad it could be and like right. those last few Dallas games right. I was like whoa and it was this was a fun season I mean this was an unexpected like no this wasn't 2013 or 2014 or anything like that but God we were we were braced for such shitty hockey this year and it wasn't that I mean they played a no. up tempo they high event hockey which for better or worse is is entertaining usually at least they scored goals young guys were contributing all these guys making their debuts they won a bunch of games early on. On. I mean, you know, don't let the last month take away from what was, you know, a gift of a season in a lot of ways. I, I, if you isolate this season away from anything else, like it's what they achieved what they wanted to. It's just as much as Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton want to isolate it, the fans aren't able to, you yeah. know, like they, and I understand they, that. Have, they, they haven't that. won a playoff series since 2015, you know, like they, yeah. it's been a minute since they've been in the playoffs even like it's those things add up and, and. Um, the, you know, the message has changed and the transparency has changed. Um, but, yeah, those facts haven't changed for fans who are used to winning cups. And then now it's, you know, it, it's been what, six years since they won a playoff series. Like, yeah. it's 
um, and, and then you tell them that it's a process. Like they, like they don't want to, you know, like they're just, and I, you know, like you just don't want to. Just imagine what this would be like if, if they had. Let's say they had won the cup in 2010, and and then you know 2013 and 15 don't happen. Just the pressure, you know, that that Patrick Kane's a choker and a one cup wonder, and the core was a waste, and you haven't won a playoff series in the next years. It would be like. It would like 85 bears. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the fear, right? That was the fear after the Arizona series in 2012 that, oh, you know what? Just get rid of these guys. This is That's what that's when the Kane for Ryan Miller nonsense started and, you know, Corey Crawford's soft and he'll never be a big-time goalie. You know, that's when they almost lost to Detroit in 2013. They were going to blow it up. If they hadn't come back in 2013 in the second round against Detroit, even after one of the greatest regular seasons of all time, I think Quenville's fired. I think Bowman might be fired. I think they're selling for parts, and the entire trajectory of the franchise is changed. That's how important that series was because, you know, man, just imagine if you had wasted all these years of Kane's. We're talking about three or four years of Kane's late 20s, early 30s that were all there wasting it. Imagine if you had wasted his 20s. Like, you win those three cups early in your career. It makes life a lot easier on you. You're not Jack Eichel saying, get me the fuck out of here. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing a legacy, not like... Not your rep, not your own, your entire reputation. It'll it'll be interesting. I mean, off seasons for young players can be massive. You know, building blocks like th- these guys could all come back, or some of them come back, different players, and having this experience could you know really elevate them. I I just I don't think the Blackhawks can bank on that. Like it's gonna come down to like you need to you need to show like that you understand the defense needs help. Like you need to go out and acquire someone. You can maybe build up some you know some some buffer that allows you to play some of those young guys still um but you you need you need not to just bring back to Zorov like that can't be your only defensive move and you know you put the same defenseman on the ice cuz that's that's really rolling the dice I, I i like there's enough potential talent there you know with doc coming back and Nylander and especially if Taves returns like there's there's enough offensive talent there and, and you're bringing enough competition with Borgstrom and I think they're Gaudet fine up and, front I think there's yeah, a, I like, think they're, they're going to have I, a real solid top 9 I think I, I think there's something there. It comes down to, uh, yeah, and even Lincoln and like you have enough competition there. Like I think goalie, you you can out of the three or maybe even four now. Like you 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 can have enough NHL goalies. Um, yeah, just it comes down to the defense. Like it just it's uh, it would certainly help them if Boquist and Mitchell Alls players return at a, uh, you know at another level. But I I think that's the one position where they need to really figure out if if there's a way to address it this offseason. And obviously, one way to address defense is by being better at offense and sustaining shifts in the offensive zone. You're not defending as much. The Blackhawks spend so much time in their own end that they're going to make more defensive mistakes. That's part of it, too. So let's get into what Patrick Kane was talking about. He touched on it in his exit interview. He was kind of lamenting the days. Like He didn't say it like, oh, I wish we would go back to it. But he was saying, no, for so much of my career, we were a puck possession team. And now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of chasing it. And, you know, it's retrievals and it's transition. Um I think that I, I'm guessing that Jeremy Colleton would love to play a puck possession game. The Blackhawks aren't good at it, and that's why they're dumping and chasing too much. That's why they're trying to score in transition because that's where they have their best success because they don't cycle well. You know, you, you're, the Sport Logic stats, they were 30th in the league in slot chances off the cycle. 30th. And they were 7th in slot chances off the rush. Because that's yeah. how they're built. Because they can't sustain. They don't forecheck well. They don't pin guys deep. And they don't move the puck well in the offensive Even on the power play, they don't move the puck well. They were a top five, top ten power play. But they never really looked good doing it. 
Like, this is just not a team that moves the puck well in the offensive zone. And some of it's the, the defense, and one, it's the breakouts, but it's two within the zone, too. Like, you, uh, you know, Murphy's gotten better at it, but, you know, like, when the puck's on Zadorov's stick or, um, you know, some of these younger defensemen, like, they're moving, they're trying to get rid of it too quickly. And, you know, Kalanick was, uh, I think he opened some eyes just because he was able to get involved in the offense, you know, like, he was scoring some, he was creating. Um, they need some of that, too. Like, they need the defensemen to have a role in that, and, um, you know, some of it does start with the breakouts and, and being able to sustain some of that, but it, it is within the zone. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you don't hear Kane talk, you know, like a lot like that. It's usually it's very, you know, like we got to stick to what we're doing and do this better. But he, it's it was one of the few times that he brought up like kind of a reference to the past and how things yeah. are different. And, yeah. and and there did feel like there's a little bit of a growing frustration Um the other person who, who was who was frustrated, obviously, and 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 was asked a lot of questions about it was, was Strom. And, and he was honest having, too; he wasn't holding back. Yeah, Strom. Strom was Strom was really yeah quite honest about his situation, and even honest about not knowing if he'll be back next season. You know, if he's exposed, does he get taken in the expansion draft? And um, the numbers aren't what I don't think the Blackhawks are Strom wanted. Like he finished with like ten, eight or nine, whatever it is maybe ten five on five points, like. Um, and some of it's opportunity, some of it's like he was playing out of position, some of it, but it, uh, and then it's just how much do the Blackhawks not feel like Strom fits into, like there's, there's a lot of different elements to, uh, how this season went and all, but also to the future, like they're bringing in a lot of guys that have offensive upside, like is, is Strom still in that picture? I, I don't think he's easy to move, uh, at $3 million, like you have to find the right person, like there's, there's, you've also seen his upside here, like they're, like he's put up points, so I don't know. Where, where do you see Strom's future playing out? I don't know. I I look at the Strom situation. I go, all right. Well, they put him in a position to fail, and then he failed, and then they punished him for failing. So I don't know where to put the blame here because, like, yeah, Strom didn't have a good season, but Strom wasn't really put in a position to succeed, and that's part of the the, the, the coaching staff's job, right? And and I understand they have. This season was a lot of juggling with the lines, but you know that Strom's a guy that succeeds in certain situations. He's good at center. He's good with Debrinket or Kane. And he spent most of the season with neither. He started first first day of the season in Tampa. He was the number one center, which we all assumed he would be with Doc and Taves out. Uh, it didn't go well that first day, and he kind of never got back to that point. Uh, what was really interesting about what he was talking, he he seemed to take some umbrage with the way he was scratched. He was scratched, I think, five times over the last month of the season. And the first one... Uh, he was scratched after warmups as a surprise, um, and he didn't, and, and 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 that clearly bothered him that he went out for warmups and didn't play. Uh, you, you see that sometimes, where sometimes guys go out for warmups and they they know they're a scratch, but they want to go out for warmups, whatever. I, I talked to a couple people about that, and and the context I got was, um, God, I can't even remember who it was. One of the defensemen was was dealing with something. And you know, I, I I asked I asked Colleton about it yesterday on the call, and he had said that Kalnick was, uh, was they weren't sure if Kalnick could play, and if Kalnick couldn't go, I think that Strom was going to play, but they didn't want to like they didn't want to lay it out to Strom like that. And, well, yeah, you don't Carleton, you don't you don't want you don't want a guy that, you don't want to tell a guy he's going to be scratched if he's not going to be scratched because then yeah. it's in his head that oh I was going to get scratched. Yeah, no, yeah. So Colleton said he explained to Strom too. So I mean, Colleton, um, he he walked he walked. Yeah, he walked through the media through it yesterday, but it, 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 obviously Strom didn't sit well with him either. So like they can, you know, agree to disagree on how, on how that played out. But 
uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, it was a message, you know. Like re- regardless of how it went down, like for him not to play in in some of the biggest games of the season, uh, it, it was telling that the Blackhawks didn't believe that he was going to help them. Well, help they, they them don't. Win. They don't seem to think of him as one of the quote unquote young guys. Like he's just a veteran now. He's only twenty four, I want to say, but they they don't think of him in the same breath as some of these you know real young guys that are just breaking into the league that get maybe a longer leash. And hey, that's that's life in the big leagues. I get that, but. It's it's interesting that you know the the way the way this or this regime views Strom, um, there's just it's always with a skeptical eye. Like the trust just isn't there. Well, you know, we did our story and some of the people we were talking to. There's just no trust there. The coaching staff does not trust Dylan Strom defensively, so they don't want to take. So they're not willing to risk that to get his offense. And, and this goes back to, I mean, it goes back to Taves and Doc in a lot of ways. Like, if Strom is your third center and you can get him a more favorable matchup, like, I, I think to bring, you know, when to bring Kid Kane and Stromer together, like, that was some of the case, too. Like, if you're on the road and the team can match up, um, and if that's your if that's your power line and, and the Blackhawks certainly didn't have as much offensive power up and down the lineup, like, it's easier to match up with them, you know, like it's just, it's easier to do. And I, and I think Strom and, and, and a lot of the, some of the Blackhawks have benefited from that in the, in the past where you had Taves who was able to take on a tough matchup or, right. or, or, you know, teams had to think, um, you know, even Kane said it yesterday, you know, the other day about, you know, not having Taves was just other, you know, like he was just another person that teams had to really worry about and, and match up against. And, and you really eliminate that. It just becomes easier to line up your best players against, you know, their top offensive players. And, um, yeah, just it's – and we even – you know, we saw that too about how, um, you know, Colleton probably went with, with Camp and and, uh, and Suter were against a lot of the top players and, and it always didn't figure out that, you know, pan out that well for the Blackhawks. And, and I, I think there was – and part of it was that, you know, Colleton didn't have the faith in Strom to go up against Barkov or mm-hmm. – um, or Aho or those type of players too. So I, I think some of that, you know, if if the Blackhawks are healthy and Strom's able to get more favorable matchups, like they're that could play to their advantage too. Like it, it'd be strange at this point. Like you have Strom at a decent number at three million. Um, you know his upside. If you have the right amount of depth, I think he slotted correctly. Um, I think there's a yeah a ton of offensive upside there, and and you have the right defensive centers and everything plays out. So. I, I tend to think that Strom's still in, you know, like he, he's certainly motivated. The Blackhawks have enough depth probably um, to bypass him if they need to. But I, I think if if played correctly and Strom's motivated, like this could all still work out for the Blackhawks and Strom. Yeah, I, I like the I like the fire. I like that he's pissed off. I like that he's saying it. You know, that's not that's never been the Blackhawk way to kind of speak up about things like that. And I like that he's he's going to have maybe a little more edge to him as he goes into this offseason and into next season if he's still here. If he doesn't get taken by Seattle or anything like that. Um, I, I think that'll play to his advantage. I don't know. It's really hard to win a coach's trust back once you've lost it. That's what I've seen. That's what we saw with Joel Quenville time and time again. That once you're once you're out on the outside, you never get back in. So Strom's got his work cut out for him. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we forgot to t- uh, tout the Twitter, uh, the, the email and voicemail this week, so we went to Twitter, which is always an easy, uh, easy way to get some content. And we got a whole bunch of questions here. Uh, we'll get to a couple. Philip Reiser asked, should the Blackhawks take a page of the Iserman playbook and be honest with themselves in their timeline? Acknowledge that you don't win a cup in the next couple of years, so trade a guy like Murphy as much as it may hurt now because he won't be in his prime when they contend. This, this regime's not getting another reset button. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Even, even Teflon Stan Bowman, I don't think he gets to reset it again. Like, it's got to work this time. So I, I don't think that's really an option to admit that you're starting all over this far into the process. Um, and, and again, Murphy's only 28 years old. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what you can get for a guy like him. He's not like a sexy superstar defenseman. So I don't think that that's a path you really want to go down. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's up for another contract after next season. So it'll... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, I mean, if the Blackhawks are out of it next year, he doesn't have a new contract. He's certainly a tradable place person at the deadline. But I, 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 I sense that Stan Bowman really loves, Con, you know, Connor Murphy and he wants him to be, um, I, I don't know if you want to give him an eight year contract, but I, I think he's going to be someone they'd like to extend. Sam Walter asks, I'm so confused about how LTIR works in terms of the salary cap. Can you guys help explain it? Um, you want to take a crack at that? I know you've been working on a salary cap story. Yeah, so th- there's two ways to count this. Like, they, it's they, they know that Seabrook and Shaw aren't going to play next year, so they could uh, they could build a roster one of two ways. One, they can use offseason LTI, uh, which is you, um, you you build above the the cap ceiling. Um, the problem is that you don't get a second crack at that. So, like, if you um, you you sign someone, you know, that, that puts you over the ceiling, then you have to put. One of those players, either Seabrook or Shaw or both, on L- off-season LTI, um, and that counts as uh, your payment for that player that you signed above. The problem is that you you don't get the excess of that once the season starts, and um, once the season starts, uh, it's it's dollar in, dollar out. So it's you don't really have much roster flexibility. It is interesting having two players uh, that you know that they're going to be an LTI that, uh, so you could, you could put one player on LTI, uh, and then save the other cap money for day one of the season. And, and that put that other person on, um, on the regular LTI. And then it's, uh, you do have some flexibility. So other ways you build the team is you, um, you want to get the close to the, the, in the off season, you want to get the close to the 81.5 as possible. And then day one, you put both those players on the LTI and then you have $10 of $10 million of cap freedom, uh, which is good if you're a contender. Cause that means that usually at the deadline, you're going to add some pieces or if you can sign someone on day one of the season, like the blues did with Mike Hoffman. That's uh, the it, trick, it, right? It is to get someone who's willing to wait until day yeah, one of the so season. I don't, I don't, I don't think that makes as much sense. I think the Blackhawks are going to use a mixture. if I had a guess of, uh, uh, going above the ceiling with one player, one of those two players in off season LTI. And, and that way you do have some, you know, 
flexibility to spend during the off season a little bit more than than you would, and then but also then you put the other person on the um, the LTI once the season starts, and you're able to create that freedom of playing, moving players up and down freely from Rockford because I think as young as they are, they're still going to have a lot of roster movement. So uh, it, it's unique because when Marion Hosa was here, it was only obviously one player in the Blackhawks didn't want to restrict themselves to not having that roster flexibility, so they waited until. Um, until day one, and they put them on the off season, or they put them on the, uh, the regular LTI, and um, just because they were worried about the roster flexibility during the season. So, I'm gonna try. To, I, I know that's a lot, and, and <laughs> there'll be a quiz on I, Friday. Uh, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna try to write about this in the next week because I uh, it's a lot easier to explain that way. But I, yeah, there's a lot of different inter- different components to it, so it's it's interesting though. All right, John Warner asks, what's your prediction for how many games? Nylander is in the lineup next season, zero, one to 40 or 40 plus. And that's a great question because in theory, I mean, when Nylander was hurt, he was going to be a top six player probably for this team. Now there's 142 forwards in the mix. It's going to be interesting to see how Nylander works his way back in. I'm tempted to say 40 plus, but Mm -hmm. I don't really feel very confident in that. Yeah, I I tend to think 40 plus too. I think there's it's also about how he comes back, right? Like, he just he missed an entire season, so it's it'll be interesting to see what level player he is. Can he get back to what he was? Because what he was was, I think, on the right team, he's a fine player. I know that he's never probably going to meet fans' expectations, but if, you know, last year, if Nylander plays that well and DeBrink is scoring 40, 50 goals, like, it, it looks a little bit different, too, you know? Like, it's... Um, I think Nylander has NHL talent and can, and can be a, a competitive player, and and maybe him being pushed by all these other players, and because um, there are, there have to be a lot of similar players competing for spots. When you look at uh, look who's who's returning, and, and even if Reichel or someone like that comes aboard, like there's there's a lot of competition for positions. So, uh, but the fact that Nylander, I, I think he has to go through uh, go through waivers, yeah. and they're going to resign him and. And Stan Bowman was talking about yesterday, like if he's healthy and he's good to go, like the the Blackhawks are definitely penciling at him into a spot. And then, um, you know, from there, I I, I tend to think he has a somewhat permanent spot. So I, I would guess over forty, but it's it's really Nylander for Jack Eichel. Who says no? <laughs> uh, Michael McGuire with the most important question today. All I care about is Max Shalunov. This is the most real it's ever seemed. Do you expect him to sign after Worlds? What cap hit do we expect? Is he aware of his cult-like popularity among the fans? Honestly, you guys could do a whole episode on Shalunov, and I'd eat it up. I think he's not being sarcastic. Uh, it's funny because we did talk about having him on as a guest, and it, it, <laughs> it didn't, didn't work, work out, out with, <laughs> with him being with uh, Team Russia. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's, I, I think he, oh, he definitely would like to sign the Blackhawks. Uh, I, I think they're trying to work through how many forwards they have, and um, if they bring him on, like they want it to be very list, you know, little risk. Um, so he probably wants more money than they want to offer. So whether they can find an agreement, um, yeah, that'll be the question mark. We'll we'll see how it plays out. But um, yeah, if it, if it's not now, it's it's probably never because I I think I think Shalunov and his agent are motivated to find a different way to the NHL, and they know this is probably his window. Of, you know, having played as well as he did in the playoffs and his age and all those different things. So if it's if it's not now, I I think. Um, Blackhawks will either maybe trade his rights or, uh, you know, he'll find that there are a few loopholes that Shalunov can maybe find to get out of his rights too. So, All right, one last question. This one's a good one for us. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize. It's either Mafe or Mafe. I'm not sure. 
Uh, any exciting off-season stories in the works that you can tease? Um, that's a good way to go out on. Uh, yes, we do have some good stuff planned, some big projects. Really? I think so. Well, I do. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to be a dad. You're not going to do squat. I got to fill it all. I got I got to fill all the all the space this summer. Um, we got we got stuff we're working on. Like Scott mentioned, his uh, his salary cap uh, angle. I think that explainer will be very useful for a lot of people. Um, some other things he's got. Uh, he's going to go uh, hiking on the Appalachian Trail with Max Shalunov for a week. And uh, he'll report back on what that experience was like. Um, I've got a feature coming up uh, uh, that'll start around the same time as the start of Worlds. Uh, looking back at, oh, right, a, at, yeah. at a recent uh, a recent Worlds, that. that'll be, that's that's a pretty fun piece. That that is Blackhawks adjacent, certainly. Um, I've got a I've got a big story in my head that I really want to dive into in like the deaths of the off season. Um, that is completely random, and I think will be both hilarious and interesting and weird. And I'm excited about it if I can pull it off. So I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to give it away, and I don't want to make any promises. But I'm optimistic it'll be really good. It's been a, it's been hard to write good stories this year. I can't lie. Like this has been kind of a soul crushing year with the with the the piddling access that we've had and the inability to be in the room and talk to guys. And um, I'm excited for the off season to kind of for things to loosen up a little bit and to talk to people uh, outside of a hockey setting. So uh, stay tuned. Don't keep your subscriptions. We're going we're gonna to have some good stuff for you. No, I, I, and to all the readers and listeners, we've uh, we've appreciated you sticking with us throughout this, this season. It, it has been a different challenging type of year, different kind of grind. So uh, we are always grateful for that. And, um, you know, always you can email us at lazempowers at gmail.com. And our number is 714-759-4529. We will still occasionally check that. And, um, you know, one warranted, we will be back here recording another podcast, but otherwise, uh, we'll be back, uh, probably, probably gone for a minute and then be back in July, uh, July, July, July is the busy agency. month this year. The July is going to have the expansion draft, the draft free agency. I don't yeah. know if there'll be a prospect camp this year or not. They'll, uh, it'll all be, I, last I heard it was, uh, yeah. Virtual prospect camp. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, maybe that, maybe that changes things open. There up, will so. be hashtag content for you to devour. Yes. So indeed. Um, but yes, thank you. Uh, we will, uh, yeah, we'll be back at it uh, soon enough. So, uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers. Have a great summer. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?